The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. There is a judgment greater than anything you've ever known. It won't be long. Your life will pass by as a vapor and you will stand before the judgment seat of God. And every secret deed and thought, every wrinkle, every spot will be in view. Before the one who knows all things, the Lord of Lord and King of Kings, you know the one you never knew. While you have breath, you have a choice to make in life. Turn away from your sin and believe. On the risen Christ You can find peace in Him From the judgment That's to come He is the shelter From the coming storm All creation shakes at the mention of His name. He has power over life and death. Every knee will bow and tongue confess. Heaven and earth will proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of the Father will you bow, will you surrender to His majesty. He can save you from the might of all your sin. This is the fight in which He stands in perfect victory while you have breath. have a choice to make in life turn away from your sin and believe on the risen Christ you can find peace in him from the judgment that's to he is a shelter from the coming storm While you have breath You have a choice to make in life away from all your sin and believe on the risen Christ you can find peace in him from the judgment that's to come He is a shelter from the coming storm. He's the only shelter from the coming storm.
I listened to a nationally known evangelical prophet. I listened this morning, and he was saying that everything is changing at the White House, and that soon the man most of the evangelical white world has their confidence in will be returned to that White House, and then everything is wonderfully going to work out, and we're entering a time of great blessing and prosperity. That's not what I hear. I hear that we are going to have an assassination in this nation that will rock this nation to its very foundations. And that people are going to be very, very angry as their one hope is destroyed because their hope is not in Jesus Christ. It's in the political system. And it's going to be catastrophic. And America will come unglued. And I pray when this happens, America will repent. Will come to an utter end of itself. And say, we have to get to Jesus. And finally, those preachers, not of righteousness, but of the sinning Christian and the prosperity that's to come, will finally be silenced. And reality will enter the picture of the American Christian church as they recognize they have only one hope, and that is in the man Jesus Christ. We're facing a very difficult and painful time in this nation, financially, politically, spiritually, and emotionally. And it's time to prepare our hearts and cry out to Jesus and get very specific direction for what he wants us to do to prepare for what's coming upon this nation. And I might say, upon the whole world. My trust today is not in any man save one. His name is Jesus. I trust what Jesus is going to do as he closes out history and brings about the fullness of the kingdom of God. What a joy it will be on the other side. But I tell you now, there are some tough times ahead that will try your soul. You know, I... The first years of my life were out west, Wyoming, Colorado. I remember in Wyoming, we lived in a little town called Bosler, a little railroad town outside of Laramie in the prairie. We had no electricity. We had no running water. We use an outhouse, even in the coldest winter months. It was not easy. I believe many of us are going to go back to that kind of primitive living in America. We're going to lose our electricity. Oh, maybe not for all the time, but certainly periods of time when the electricity will be turned off. What are you going to do? What are you going to do when you don't have running water or flushing toilets? How will you survive that? How will you survive when you have no food? 
our confidence and our trust must be in Jesus the Christ. Now, I want to take you back to the book of Acts today. And in chapter 3, we have Peter and John as they're walking together up to the temple in the afternoon for the evening prayer. Now, a man lay at the gate, beautiful. He had been crippled from life, had never walked. He was now 40 years old. Peter and John, as they're about to enter, are asked for alms, for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. And Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them full attention, expecting to get something from them. And Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped this man up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet. He began to dance and shout and praise God. And then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and shouting praise to Almighty God. When the people saw him, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And everyone was filled with astonishment at this miracle. They'd never seen anything like this, except when Jesus was there. And many of them had not seen Jesus. So the beggar is holding on to Peter and John. The people all come running to them. In Solomon's colonnade, a large open paved area without a roof. And they begin to speak. Peter, men of Israel, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we've made this man walk? You know, Peter is very clear. He had no power to do this. He could not heal anyone. It was the name of Jesus that had the power. It was the person of Jesus who could heal the sick and raise the dead. The God of Abraham, I'm reading to you now from Acts, the third chapter, verse 13. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. Now listen to this. He didn't say, you're wonderful people. God loves you. No, he said this. You handed him over to be murdered. You disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murder be released to you. You killed the originator of life. But God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and I know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has given this complete healing to him, as you can all see. Now Peter begins to address them. I want to tell you what I named this message today. I named it, Oh Jesus, change my heart. Oh Jesus, change my heart. If you don't feel that you need to have your heart changed, you're living in some kind of la-la land. 
we need our hearts changed in America. We have been poisoned with the wickedness of our age. We've been poisoned by the pretension and the arrogance and the haughtiness of our culture, the entitlement of being an American. We have been poisoned. We're the can-do nation. We're the can-do people. Nothing's too hard for us. We can set our mind to do anything, and we can do it. Such wicked, ungodly arrogance, thinking we're somebody. Some of you may say, oh, that's not me. I'm, I'm a humble man. I'm a I'm a humble woman. I'm, I'm clean with Jesus. I don't, don't talk to me this way, pastor. Get real with me, will you? Would you get real? I don't mean to offend you. But we're at a time when we can't afford fantasy. We've got to understand how we stand before the throne of God. There has to be a change in our hearts. Let me go through what Peter had to say, and then let's, let's deal honestly with this issue. You're listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray from the National Prayer Chapel. I know many of you have turned aside. You don't want to hear this anymore. Some of you have said, Pastor, you always preach one one thing is all you preach. Repent and get right with God. Get holy. Well, I'm that way. No, you're not. If you think you are, you're in fantasy land. Do you have the anointing of the Holy Spirit? Can you walk up to a beggar and take him by the hand and say, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk? then don't talk to me about your wonderful relationship with Jesus. I'm not interested in fantasy. I'm interested in the real deal. And I look at the apostles and I look at the New Testament church and I say, this is real. And we've got to be there. So let's read what Peter had to say to this man and to the other men. He says, Now, brothers, I know you acted in ignorance, and many of you are acting in ignorance. You don't really understand. You've been taught all of your life a lie that you can be saved because God has unconditional love for you. You've been taught that you're on your way to heaven. You've been taught that wonderful things are going to happen for us in America, that we're not going to face the judgment of God, that America is somehow God's chosen people. You live in fantasy land. You've not recognized the excessive wickedness of America. And that it's time for all people who claim the name of Jesus to cry out and say, change my heart. Make me new. Change me. He says, you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders. But this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying that his Christ would suffer. Messiah was to suffer. He was the suffering servant. Now listen to what he says. You would expect in the modern church to hear, Hey, Jesus loves you unconditionally. Your sins are forgiven. You're good to go. You're on your way to heaven. Don't worry about anything. Just just enjoy the ride into heaven. It's going to be a, a wonderful time. I heard a, a prophet. I listened to some of these people because I want to know the deception they're passing on. And one man said, all of the money belongs to Jesus and the money of all the wealthy people that's going to come to the church. Really? I don't think so. My Bible doesn't say that. 
Listen to what he says. Repent. And turn, the NIV says, turn to God. But the actual original language in the Greek says, turn a new way. In other words, it's repent and then change your direction. And of course, that's what the word repent means. But this turn to God, the translation is not in passive. Some like the King James Version say, and be converted. Well, that's a passive action. In the Greek, it's active. It's not passive. So he's saying, you must repent. You must turn aside from this. And then you must deliberately choose to go a new direction. You must deliberately choose to change the way you spend your money, the way you spend your time, what you watch on YouTube, what you watch in the movies. The entertainment you turn to, you must change. You must turn from what you're doing. You must have a new course. Repent. That's the first word of the gospel. Always, Jesus came preaching, repent. Peter came preaching, repent. John the Baptist came preaching, repent. All of the men of the scriptures in the New Testament came with one simple message. Repent and turn aside. Change the way you're living. And he says, repent, take a new course so that your sins may be wiped out. I hear these silly little sinner's prayers that people are asked to pray in many American churches. Repent of all your sins. Okay, I repent of all my sins. That's not repentance. There has to be a a turning and a going a new way. My wife said to me this morning, change is so difficult for us. And I said to her, well, there are three reasons people change. The first reason is they change because what they're doing is so very painful, they can't stand to continue doing it another day. And they finally say, if I continue on this road, I'm going to die. I have to change. There has to be a better way. The second reason, or the second motivator, is that you're just so bored. You can't stand to live another day doing the same old, same old, and you're just bored out of your tree, and and you want to do something different. And so you change. The third reason people change is because, because they can. Change because they can. They're in pain, so they change. They're bored, so they change. Or they see something that is to their advantage, where they'll earn more money. They'll get ahead financially. And so they're looking for another job where they can make more money and, and they want to, they want a reward in life. So people change to take advantage of that opportunity. They change because they can. Well, Paul is saying, or or Peter is saying, rather, repent. Take a new direction in your life. And the Holy Spirit's already been calling you in that new direction. 
but oh, you're hesitant, you're slow, you're stuck in the mud. But when you repent and you turn and give yourself utterly to a new direction in Jesus Christ, then your sins can be wiped out. And then note that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, where the Lord will take you into himself. He will refresh you. He will give to you the courage to go the new direction. He will heal your wounds. He'll heal your heart. Some of you are so sick of what you're doing. And you say, I can't change. There's nothing I can do to change my situation. Yes, there is. You can change your situation by going to Jesus and repenting of your unbelief. Repenting of your depression. Repenting of your hopelessness. Laying it all out before God. And turning to him, saying, show me the new direction, Jesus. To be honest, I was, I was praying that this morning. I would love to open, to rent space in a large facility and, and begin to hold revival meetings. I would love to do that. But I can't go out and do that. Because I know if I do it in my strength, nothing will happen. It'll be a a whip on my back. No. What I have to do is, in every area of my heart, be certain that I have turned to God that I've repented fully, that I belong only to Jesus, to be certain that my sins have all been wiped out and I'm clean before God, and then wait for him to bring those times of refreshing, those times of revival that he has promised will come from him. See, I know that America is about to face the toughest, the toughest time we've ever had in this nation. And many will give up hope and just roll over and die. I'm praying that when that time comes, and it will come quickly upon us. I'm not talking years, I'm talking days, weeks, months. A total catastrophic burnout of America with the loss of people that we think should be our political leaders who have the courage and the smarts and the ability and the connections to save America. No, nobody's going to save America this time. America is going to be destroyed. Our hope cannot be in the politics of America. Our hope must be in Jesus alone. We all know the Antichrist is now beginning to come forward, and we will in our lifetime see the Antichrist come fully with all of his deceiving lies and his dictatorship and the mark of the beast. We're not looking at a time of prosperity and wonderful coming together as Americans. No, we're looking at Antichrist, one world government. We're looking at destruction. But we're also looking at the glorious return of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is coming again. Are you ready? I want these times of refreshing 
to come from the Lord. Right now, most Americans don't feel the need for a time of refreshing. You've got enough money to survive. Maybe you're in a little financial trouble, but you can figure it out. Times of refreshing that we treasure will be when we have been starved out. When we're hungry and thirsty and tired, when what we love is being destroyed, when there's rioting in the streets, people are murdering and killing. It's begun already. I'm shocked by what I see in the news. Such murder and mayhem, such wickedness in high places, such devilry in the, in the White House. I don't call it the White House anymore. I call it the Sin House. It's evil. I want times of refreshing in the Lord. I loved on Sunday standing with the small house congregation at the National Prayer Chapel as we sang wonderful hymns of praise to the Lord Jesus. Somebody said to me this last week, Pastor, don't you believe in in music in the church? Yes, it's very vital. But the real music needs to come among a people who have repented of their sins, who've been set free, who've been washed and cleansed, and then they sing songs to to Jesus, songs of glory, songs of praise and worship, honoring the mighty God of heaven, not in order to enter into the presence of Jesus, but because they're living in the presence of Jesus. Now we continue. This is so important. Verse 26. When God raised up his servant. That is when God raised up Jesus from the grave. He sent him first to you. That is to the Jewish people. He was here 40 days after his resurrection, talking with the disciples and those close and and preparing them for his going to heaven and telling them he was going to send the Holy Spirit. He wouldn't leave them as orphans. Why? Chapter 3 of Acts, verse 26, the last part, gives us a very clear reason for why Jesus did what he did and why the Father did what he did. To bless you. It's in God's heart to bless you. We are, who are followers of Jesus, a blessed people. To bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways. He's not talking here about those actions of sin that sneak up on us. He's talking about the way you choose to live, the ways, the bitterness, the anger, the unclean sexual life. The Christian man, when I talk with him, he says, oh, yes, pastor, I'm a Christian. And then his girlfriend says, yeah, we live together. It's a wicked man. God wants to bless that man. And he wants to bless him by turning him away from his sexual uncleanness. That's the heart of God. The Lord wants to prepare you and me to enter into the kingdom of Jesus. Times are going to become 
very, very difficult. And the cry we must utter out of the depths of our soul is, Oh, Jesus, change my heart. But God raised up his servant. He sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways. See, this is not white-knuckle theology where you have to struggle and struggle and struggle. No, it's where you submit to Jesus. And by the power of the blood, he turns you from your wicked ways and causes you to walk in the path of righteousness, the path of innocence before Almighty God. Now, if we continue, the next day, the rulers, the elders, the teachers of the law, they met and they began to ask, how do we deal with this? They bring Peter and John out of prison. By what power or what name did you do this? And Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers, elders of the people, if we're being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a cripple and are asked how it was, how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. And then they confess, Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the capstone. Now hear this. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. We must, by the blood of Jesus, be turned away from our sins. There is one cry we need to make. Oh, Jesus, change my heart. Don't let me accommodate the wicked one. Don't let me feast on the things of darkness. Some of you say, oh, I'm a follower of Jesus, but then you go in your your hiding place and jump into the pornography where you steal or you lie or you cheat. Or your heart is filled with anger and rage and bitterness against someone or some supposed wrong that they've done to you. Or you're impatient. Salvation is found in no one else except Jesus. And he is the only one who can turn you from your wicked way. Well, they don't know what to do with him. Finally, they call him in and they command them not to speak or teach anything in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, judge for yourselves whether it's right in God's sight to obey you rather than God. For we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. What do you speak about? You speak about the miraculous power of Jesus that has healed your wounds and restored you to life? Would you speak about your discouragement, your despair, your hopelessness? I want to just be very straight with you. In Jesus is found all 
of the wisdom of the ages. In Jesus is found the power to transform your life. In Jesus is found the power to turn you from your sin and heal you. Now, what are you going to do when soon everything you have relied on in the physical realm is destroyed? When the people you believed in are dead? When the whole nation is in an uproar and an uprising and there's civil disobedience everywhere? And the army's being sent out to put down rebellions? What are you going to believe in? When dictatorship takes over our nation and the Antichrist comes to power, what are you going to believe in? Oh, I know. You're saying, I'm going to be out of here before that. What if you're not? What if you're not? I tell you. We need Jesus. These two men go back to their to their brothers and sisters, and they do the only thing Christians know how to do. They raise their voices in prayer to Almighty God, and this is their prayer. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit throughout the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Brother, sister, this is what's coming. The American governor government will be against the Christian faith. It will be against those who honestly follow Jesus. Our culture will be against Christians. It's already happening. If you don't see it, you're blind. Open your eyes. They continue praying. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed. We're going to see that again. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats. Enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. I am praying that God will give me the boldness to speak on this radio broadcast everything that needs to be said concerning the gospel and repentance and turning from evil ways and walking in righteousness and love with our brothers and sisters. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. I am pleading for that. And after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. The coming again of the Holy Spirit and power, first at Pentecost. Now he's coming to them as they pray and cry out and ask the Holy Spirit to come and move in power in their lives. You see why I came today saying the most important thing you can do is to cry out to Jesus. Oh, Jesus, change my heart. There has to be a great uncovering of our hearts and our ways. And and we must, by the power of Jesus, be brought into line with his will for this end of time. 
we're going to go through until he comes in glory. I don't know when he's going to come, but I know he's coming. But there's going to be a time where we're going to have to speak with great boldness this message of repent, turn from your sins, get right with Jesus. This this broadcast, that's all I'm going to be teaching. Don't imagine that you're okay with Jesus. I'm not. I'm still very immature. I'm still crying out to Jesus that he would sift me and change me and and make me into what I need to be to do the work of the gospel as he calls me to do it. I'm asking for the words and the actions by the Holy Spirit that will bring forth true revival of godliness where we don't trust in, in anyone or anything except Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's the cry of my heart. Salvation is found in no one else except Jesus. Salvation is not found in a political party or in a political leader. Salvation is not found in your family. Salvation is not found in your money, your job. It's not found in your entertainment. Salvation is found in the person of Jesus Christ. He alone is the Lord and the master of the universe. We've got to cry out, oh Jesus, change my heart. Change my eyes so that I can see what's happening and understand the reality of the day in which we live. (laughs) Don't let me live in fantasy. Don't let me live in Disneyland. Don't let me live in the wickedness of this age. I I am repulsed by it. I am angered by it. I see what it's doing to people that I love. I want Jesus. And I'm saying, oh, Jesus, change my heart. Change my heart. Let's pray. I come, Lord, knowing that I have no power and I have no strength. And I can't change the lives of these people who've been listening. But by the blood of Jesus, their lives can be changed and they can be turned from wickedness to righteousness. That you alone are the one who turns us aside from unrighteousness. That it's you, Jesus, by your power, that you bless us by turning each one of us from our wicked ways, convicting us and changing us, transforming us into your likeness. Lord, many have started that process, but it's not finished. They've been sidetracked. They've been discouraged. They've been hopeless. Lord, forgive us. I pray today that you would come in your power and encourage those who have become discouraged. I pray that you would come now and touch those who are sick with healing power, both in their bodies, in their minds, in their spirits. Let your name be lifted up, Jesus. Let us glorify the name of Jesus Christ. We just praise and honor your mighty name, for you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and it's by your name alone that we can be saved. Lord, thank you. Thank you. I pray in your holy name. Amen. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray from the National Prayer Chapel. I make no apology for what I said. 
I only say, Jesus, I'm sorry, I couldn't say it straighter with more clarity. Give me the words. I trust. I trust in the wisdom of Jesus. I'm nobody. He's everybody. He's everything. I want to thank those of you who've been giving. Some of you have gotten angry and and gone away. I'm hoping you're back listening today. I'm not going to change the message. You can write to me at Pastor Ray Greenley, National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. You can also go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com, nationalprayerchapel.com. We're trying some new things. We're, our, our brother Ed Pugh is working hard making shorts, just one-minute clips out of an hour message. And posting those on YouTube, posting those on on various social media platforms. We just sense we desperately need to get this straight gospel message out. I ask continually that the Lord would broaden the reach of this ministry. Yea, even putting us on national radio on FM. But it's all in his hands. I'm not going to take one step until he moves and directs me. His word to me was, wait upon the Lord. He said it like that, wait upon the Lord. And he said, the Lord will carry you through. And he said, Ray, enter my rest. So I've entered his rest. You can go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com, nationalprayerchapel.com. You're welcome to leave messages. I don't get back often. My time is spent in prayer and scripture and resting. We need the mighty hand of Jesus to move on behalf of the Christians of this nation. We're coming to a cliff, and America's going to fall off. And you will not be able to believe what's going to happen. So prepare by getting to Jesus and getting right with him. So go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. You can give online. God bless you, my brother, my sister. I love you. I'll talk to you soon.